Hello, and welcome to the Mormon History Podcast. Episode 2, In the Beginning. Before I begin today's episode, I wish to impress upon you that this is still a history podcast, despite what you heard in the What You Believe mini-series. The purpose of this podcast is to inform, not to promulgate Mormon propaganda. As much as I would love it if it happened, I don't intend to baptize anyone with this podcast. I encourage those who are seeking baptism to speak with Mormon missionaries. This podcast is full of opinions that may or may not be different from the general opinion of the body of the church, and I cannot speak for the leaders of the church, nor its members. There will be bias because I'm a Mormon who loves his church. I'll try not to be too biased, though. I want to be as objective as possible. Now, the Old Testament, like other parts of ancient history, is very nuanced. It is not as, not as simple as put in the Bible. There are other factors. Because this is not the History in the Bible podcast, a wonderful podcast by the great Gary Stevens, I will only briefly cover the events of the Old Testament, emphasizing certain parts that are important to Mormon history. Maybe someday I will cover the Old Testament with a fine-toothed comb. Uh, but in the meantime, you can check out Gary Stevens' History in the Bible podcast. I highly recommend it. But for now, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the God of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. End quote. Many know this is the beginning of the, the beginning of everything. These are the opening verses of the King James Bible. But for many, but for Latter-day Saints, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this isn't the case. There are two books of scripture that describe what happened before the creation. One was revealed to Joseph Smith during his translation of the book of Genesis, beginning in June 1830, called the Book of Moses. The other was translated by the prophet Joseph Smith from Egyptian papyri in 1835. It was published in 1842 as the Book of Abraham. Both books contain stories about the Old two Old Testament prophets that cannot be found anywhere else in biblical literature. I will explain both of these books in more detail in a later podcast. For now, we will just examine certain teachings within. Both Moses and Abraham had visions of what happened before the creation. I will draw heavily upon these two books before beginning the biblical narrative. Joseph F. Smith, sixth president of the church and prophet of his own day, said, quote, Man as a spirit was begotten and born of heavenly parents, and rooted to maturity in the eternal mansions of the Father, prior to coming to the earth in a temporal physical body. End quote. Before we were born on this earth, we were born spiritually. Moses chapter 3 verse 5 says that God created all things spiritually before they were created physically. So we lived with heavenly parents before we came to the earth. We did have, and still do have, a father and mother in heaven. They are perfected beings with bodies of flesh and bone. Members of the church do not speak very often of Heavenly Mother out of respect. God himself does not reveal much about her out of a deep reverence and love for her. For more information, there is a gospel topic essay on LDS.org. The URL can be found in the show notes. But you see, while God had a body of flesh and bones, we, his children, did not. We only existed as spirits. Like any father, God wanted us to have the same success as him. And in order for us to be like him, we needed to have physical bodies. God created a plan in which we might become like him, even as gods. 
This was difficult for many outside the church, and, and even some within, to comprehend or accept. Some view this as pretentious or even blasphemous. For me, it makes sense. I would want my children to be equal or better than me. Since God is perfect, and you can't build upon perfection, we can only become equal to Him. This is int introduced to us as our ultimate goal. In heaven, God gathered together all His children and explained His plan. It involved us coming to earth to gain our bodies and our families. Then we would die, our spirits would go to a place called the spirit world, where we would wait for the resurrection, when our spirits would re-enter our bodies, which would be made perfect. Then we could be judged, and if worthy, enter the presence of God as perfected and exalted beings. Because we all have our agency, or freedom to choose, God knew that we would make mistakes in our lives. During our time on earth, we would become unworthy of entering God's presence. We would need a savior to come, who would who could pay for our wrongdoings, taking our punishment for us. Jesus Christ was chosen by God to be the savior. He is the oldest child of the heavenly Father, and was the only one who could live a perfect life of obedience and take our sins upon him. Another rose up, however, and sought to be the savior. This was Lucifer. He proposed an alternative to God's plan, in which our agency would be taken away. We would not be able to choose right from wrong, and would thus be all saved but the glory would go to Lucifer. We knew this was wrong, and we chose to follow God and Christ. Lucifer was so cunning and so convincing that one-third of God's children followed him. These were cast out of heaven without gaining bodies. Lucifer became Satan, and his followers became devils, who work under Satan to tempt us and make us miserable. Meanwhile, God foreordained Adam and Eve to be the first humans on earth. God and Jesus then proceeded to create our world. God was the architect or designer while Christ was the builder or creator. Together they created the heavens and the earth. The creation was divided into seven periods of time referred to as days, but which may not necessarily refer to 24-hour periods. In the book of Abraham, these days are referred to simply as times. See chapter 4, verse 19. On the first day, God divided the light from the darkness, creating day and night. On the second day, God divided the heavens from the earth. On the third day, God caused... God caused the dry land to appear and created the plants. On the fourth day, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. On the fifth day, God created the animals of the earth. On the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden and gave them dominion over all the earth, including the plants and animals. He gave them two commandments. The first was, was to multiply and replenish the earth, and the second was to not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then God rested on the seventh day. While in the garden, Adam and Eve knew neither happiness nor misery, obedience nor disobedience. They were like two young children who didn't know right from wrong. They could not they could also they also could not have children while in the garden. Thus could not they could not keep God's first commandment. Satan came to them in the Garden of Eden and tempted them. Eve relented and ate the forbidden fruit, then convinced Adam to do the same. Members of the church do not condemn Eve nor Adam for this. Because they had not eaten the fruit, they could not have lived they could they would have lived forever in the Garden of Eden, and we could not have been born. We are not responsible for the transgression of Adam or Eve, but rather only our own sins. Because they ate the forbidden fruit and had disobeyed God, they became imperfect and could no longer dwell in God's presence in the garden. They were forced to leave Eden and God's presence. This is referred to as the fall of Adam and Eve. But God knew this would happen. That is why he ordained Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Because of Christ, we can become clean of our own sins and return to the presence of God.
God also made a covenant or sacred agreement with Adam and Eve that they would be saved from their sins if they kept the commandments of God. Outside the garden, Adam and Eve could experience pain and suffering, sickness and injury, but they could also experience happiness and relief, fun and joy. They learned to work. They had many children and lived to a very old age. Among their children were Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel from jealousy. Adam had another son, Seth, who would become his successor as prophet and holder of the priesthood. The priesthood is that ancient authority given to Adam to administer sacred ordinances such as baptism. Because of his worthiness, Seth carried on the priesthood and passed it to his son Enos. The priesthood was carried from father to son for generations. Six generations after Adam, Enoch was called to be a prophet. Despite some trepidation, he went on to be one of the greatest prophets of all time. He and his followers were so righteous that they were taken up into heaven without tasting death. This process is called translation. Enoch and all the inhabitants of the city of Zion were translated, leaving the wicked to rule the earth. This is why it is said that Enoch walked with God. Enoch's great-grandson was Noah. You know the story of Noah. The world was so wicked in, the, in his time that God decided to send a great flood to cleanse it. Noah and his family were righteous, so God commanded them to build, him to build an ark, and to fill it with two of each kind of animal. The flood came, and fam Noah's family was spared. The ark stayed on the afloat on the flood waters through forty days and forty nights of rain, and even more time as waters receded. When the ark struck land, Noah and his family disembarked, and humanity started over again through Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. God made a covenant or promise with Noah that he would never again flood the earth. We jump to an event centuries later when the people grew very wicked again and built a great tower in a place called Babel. They wanted to reach heaven. Their pride and hubris, along with their great wickedness, caused God to destroy the tower and confound their languages so that they had to divide up into smaller communities and form nations. Never again could they build a tower to reach heaven. Meanwhile, a group of righteous people fled the tower and their language was not confounded. They headed east, crossing many seas until they reached the western hemisphere. Their leader was a man called Jared and his brother. They would settle on the American continent, and their story would be told in the Book of Mormon. About ten generations after Noah came Abraham. He was another great prophet. While there were many important incidents in his life that we know about, I focus on the Abrahamic covenant, named after the prophet. This covenant was an accord between Abraham and God that if he kept God's commandments, then he would receive a, a posterity numerous as the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. This prophecy was fulfilled with the birth of Isaac to the elderly Abraham and Sarah. Isaac married a relative of his named, named Rebekah. They had two sons named Jacob and Esau. After a bit of trickery, Jacob won the birthright from his brother. Jacob was tricked into marrying Leah when he really wanted to marry her sister, Rachel. He had to work seven years for Leah and seven more years for Rachel. He ended up taking to wife the handmaidens of Leah and Rachel as well. Jacob's four wives produced twelve sons. Jacob's name was changed to, by God to Israel, and his sons became the twelve tribes of Israel. As each son had a great family of his own, they were called tribes. One of these sons was Joseph, son of Rachel. He was Jacob's favorite. His jealous brother sold him into Egypt. Sold him into Egypt. He worked for a time as a servant and was forced by his master, the Egyptian Potiphar, until Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of trying to rape her. Joseph was thrown in prison where he interpreted dreams of his fellow prisoners. This caught the attention of the Pharaoh, 
who was requested to have Joseph interpret his dream. Joseph did so and earned a place in the royal court. While serving Pharaoh, he saved Egypt and its neighbors from famine by storing up food and distributing it. Among those who fled to Egypt to escape the famine was the family of Israel. Joseph eventually revealed himself to his brothers, and the Pharaoh invited the children of Israel to live in Egypt. Generations passed, and the Egyptians grew fearful of the children of Israel, so they decided to enslave them. They were freed from bondage by Moses, a descendant of Levi, one of the sons of Israel. Moses was called to be a prophet of God and eventually given authority, or priesthood. With his priesthood, he called plagues upon, upon Egypt until the Pharaoh agreed to let the Israelites leave. After they left, however, Pharaoh sent an army to slay them. Trapped, Moses used his priesthood power to open the Red Sea and allow the Israelites to escape on foot. Then the sea closed on the Egyptian army, saving the Israelites from their pursuers. The Hebrews, collectively called the children of Israel, or simply Israel, wandered in the desert for years. They received new laws given by God through Moses. These laws are laid out extensively in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These books also contain their journey through the wilderness. They were given the Ten Commandments, were commanded to build a tabernacle uh, or portable temple where God could dwell. God revealed his name to Moses as Yahweh, or Jehovah, as he is known to Christians. Mormons believe that Jehovah is actually Jesus Christ before he came to earth as a man. Under the authority of the Heavenly Father, Jesus, Jesus Christ was and is the God of Israel. In fact, one of his titles is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Christ came to earth as a man and referred to God, he was referring to Heavenly Father. They are two separate beings. Moses led his people for 40 years through the desert. It would have been shorter, but the Israelites were wicked and worshipped idols and didn't trust God. Their children, however, were righteous enough to enter the Promised Land, or Canaan. Moses was translated or taken into heaven without tasting death, just like Enoch leaving Joshua to lead the people. Joshua was also called of God to be a prophet. He opened the Jordan River for the Israelites to pass through. They carried with them the Ark of the Covenant, which housed sacred relics such as the tablets on which the Ten Commandments were written. In the Promised Land, the Israelites took back the land of Canaan, which was first given to Abraham by defeating the Canaanites in the cities like Jericho and Ai. Once settled in Canaan, Israel was reorganized by tribe, and each tribe was given a piece of land. It is important to note that the tribe of Levi didn't receive any land, but instead was given cities and charge over the tabernacle. The tribe of Joseph was split between two half-tribes, named after his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. A system of judges was set up after Joshua died. During the reign of the judges, Israel was constantly under attack by the Philistines. Israel fluctuated between wickedness and righteousness under various judges such as Othniel, Deborah, Gideon, and Samson. Eli and Samuel were the last two Israelite judges. Samuel was called of God to be a prophet as a young boy. When Israel demanded a king, Samuel anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. Because of disobedience, Saul was stripped of his divine right. Samuel chose David to be the next king of Israel. After years of civil war, David united Israel under one rule. At first, David's rule was a righteous one. He wrote many psalms, and Israel prospered under a golden age. But David stopped listening to God and sinned. The murder of Uriah and his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba were among his heinous crimes. From this relationship came David's son, Solomon the Wise. Solomon was, you could guess, a wise king, who was, like his father, righteous at first. He oversaw the construction of a temple of God, called the Temple of Solomon, 
which replaced the tabernacle as the house of the Lord. But Solomon too fell, and the Israelites along with him. Under his son, Rehoboam, Israel was torn apart by a great civil war, which, which ripped the nation apart into two separate states, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Both nations continued their, with their own kings and prophets. Among the most famous of the prophets were Elijah and Elisha in the north. Elijah was given the sealing power, which allowed him to bind things in, earth, in heaven as well as on earth. This will be important later. Elijah was translated just like Enoch and Moses. A prophecy was given that Elijah would return and bring with him the sealing power to restore it to the earth. Remember this. Over time, more and more prophets were sent among the, the often wicked Israelites. Many of them, like Isaiah, warned of impending doom. One of these dangers was the Assyrian Empire. The northern kingdom of Israel, containing ten of the twelve tribes, all but Judah and Benjamin, was invaded by the Assyrians and taken captive. To this day, the, 12, the ten tribes are lost, their whereabouts unknown. It is believed that their return will occur around the time of the second coming of Christ. The demise of the southern kingdom of Judah came later, when the, Babylonian, when the Babylonians attacked. Prophets like Jeremiah tried to warn the people that if they did not repent, they would be taken captive into Babylon. Some fled Jerusalem to escape the Babylonians. Among these were Lehi and his family, and Mulek, the son of King Zedekiah, and his followers. The rest of Judah was taken captive into Babylon, in Mesopotamia. They were not freed until the Persians came under Cyrus the Great. While in captivity, they still had prophets called of God, such as Ezekiel and Daniel. This was also the time that Esther stood up to the Persian king and saved her people, the Jews, from being killed. Cyrus and the Persians were kind to the Jews and facilitated not only their return to Canaan, but also the rebuilding of the Temple of Solomon. Jerusalem was rebuilt into a great city once more. More prophets such as Ezra and Nehemiah were sent among the Jews. Malachi was the last of these prophets, and he was the one to prophesy of the return of Elijah before the coming of the Lord. This is interpreted in two ways. One, Elijah was the title of John the Baptist who marked the path before Jesus Christ started his divine ministry. And two, Elijah the prophet would return before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And thus ends the Old Testament. It is important to study the Old Testament, especially if you are a Mormon, because Mormons claim to be part of the house of Israel. Whether they are actual descendants of the Jews or Gentiles who are adopted into the posterity of Abraham. As members of Abraham's family, they can also be adopted as children of Levi and receive the priesthood, as did Moses and other prophets. The Israelite model of prophets continues today, as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is led by a prophet president. The Church also follows the Israelite pattern of temple building. Temples exist as houses of the Lord today in the Church. There are many other patterns seen within the Church from the New Testament, but that is for another day. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page and our blog, www.mhistorypod.com. If you have more questions, shoot me a message on Facebook via the Mormon History Podcast. Also, feel free to email me at mhistorypod at gmail.com for comments or questions. Also, please leave a rating on whatever app or site that you're using. Thanks again. This has been the Mormon History Podcast.